in today's episode, I'd like to offer that the food is an outer indicator of another issue, perhaps lots of issues. That's what the diets and the eating plans so often miss, the role that food is playing and the reason the overeating is there in the first place. And I'm going to give you loads of examples of how that might look so that you can see what might be relevant in your own life. Welcome to the Yo-Yo Freedom Podcast. This is the place to learn actionable step-by-step tools and strategies to help you stop binging or overeating and start feeling relaxed and confident around food so that you can show up for your life on your terms. I'm Gemma Keys, and I know firsthand what it's like to feel out of control around food and trapped in the pain of binge eating and body shame. There is a way out. Keep listening to discover your path to food freedom. another episode. I'm really excited about this episode because I think it's about the absolutely most key and powerful topic that'll help you stop the binging or the secret out of control compulsive eating that can feel, well, feel like an addiction and bring with it so much despair and regret. And Even just the idea of leaving that eating behind has such hope and positive energy behind it. Well, actually, that's not always the case. Sometimes it can be really scary to think of not being able to turn to food in certain situations or at certain times because of what the eating offers in the moment. So the relief or the escape or the zoning out or creating some kind of way to cope that part of you actually longs for in your life. Both of those reactions, the hope or the fear, or even a mixture of both of them, they're completely valid and natural. And both lead perfectly into what we're talking about today, which is how to make sense of why the binging or the overeating is happening. In other words, why can't you stop overeating, or at least not stop in a way that lasts? And Why do you seem to need the food so much? Understanding why those eating patterns are there for you is so important and may well be something that you haven't really considered before. After all, most diets or health plans are so focused on what we can or can't eat or how much we can or can't eat or how much our body weighs or measures or how we appear on the outside. It's all about what goes into our mouths and what image we present to the world. And when those issues are the only focus, we don't tend to look for a deeper why behind what's happening because the only focus is ticking off those boxes on external measurements. So in today's episode, I'd like to offer that the food is an outer indicator of another issue, perhaps lots of issues. That's what the diets and the eating plans so often miss, the role that food is playing and the reason the overeating is there in the first place. And I'm going to give you loads of examples of how that might look so that you can see what might be relevant in your own life. 
The other reason it's so key to consider that binging might be there for a really good reason is that when the food begins to make more sense, it can begin to ease those feelings of embarrassment or shame or guilt and thinking there's something wrong with you. Because when you think you're the problem that can't be fixed, it stops you right in your tracks. After all, what's the point? If you're the thing that's broken then what can you do about it? This is just how it is for you. And feeling like that is most likely to lead to hiding or despairing or trying to block out what's happening. And hey, what better way to do that than by eating more? And I know that because I've been there so many times and done exactly that for so many years and decades. But As you begin to see the role that eating is playing and what it's actually trying to help you with, it reframes the food as a strategy that begins to make some sense. Yes, it might have been subconscious until now, and part of it is likely to continue to be subconscious or run on automatic, but there is a reason or probably a collection of reasons that the binging is happening. And when you find the reason, you've uncovered a starting point to begin to work your way through it. A way to experiment with different tools that create what you really need so that you don't need to rely so heavily on food anymore. So what do I mean when I say food is fulfilling some kind of need and that binging is there for a reason that really does make a whole lot of sense? Well, first of all, food is one of the few things we have some degree of control over early in life. Almost all of us have probably been given a sweet or a cake or an ice cream or whatever as a treat when we were children. And Also, maybe to help us feel better if we're feeling sad or to distract us if we bumped a knee or something like that. There are so many ways that food can and does help us feel better and take our mind off something or creates a form of enjoyment. And when you're young, you're not very likely to have access to, for example, alcohol or smoking or spending lots of money on shopping or endless late night TV or gaming or say gambling, thankfully. There are so many different behaviours that can be used to take the edge off, but most of them aren't usually accessible until we're a bit older. But food is often, not always, but often accessible for children and it can be used to feel better from a really early age. I've probably mentioned it before, but I started sneaking lunchbox treats from their hiding place. Uh, Mini Mars bars were my favourite. When I was maybe nine or ten at primary school, I just knew I liked them and they tasted amazing and made me feel good. And for lots of children, food is used as a way to feel better even earlier than that. So that's an example of how food can be used as a sort of coping behaviour, a way to help you feel better or to get through something tough, even at a really young age. And you can probably envisage a child turning to food with some degree of understanding or compassion. After all, young children don't have the skills to know how to deal with these big feelings or fears like 
being ditched by a friend who's gone off with someone else or having a teacher who picks on them and puts them down. I wonder if it makes sense to you that a child might use food to feel better and help them through situations like that, situations that they don't yet have the other tools to deal with and how that can become a pattern that carries on. It certainly makes a whole lot of sense to me. The chocolate or whatever it is, is really effective in helping in the moment, just helping a child feel a little bit better, almost a way of taking care of themselves. But later down the line, well, the eating lightly ramps up because a couple of mini Mars bars for sure was not all I was binging on when I was 15 or 25 or 35. And eventually, we just don't want to be doing that to ourselves anymore. The pain outweighs the gain big time. To make this idea a little more tangible, let me give you some examples of how food can help in the moment, how eating can meet a need that may have nothing at all to do with food. I have seven different examples here. I've gone slightly into overdrive, but I really wanted to offer lots of options to see if any would land with you at all. So here goes. Number one is if you've ever felt that you're too much, maybe you've been told you're too intense or too serious or too emotional or too sensitive. In fact, sometimes it's not being told with words that can make you feel too much, but it's just by absorbing the behavior and the reactions of those around you. If, for example, a parent backs off or looks really uncomfortable when you've been crying or screaming, the lesson is soon learned that it's not safe to show these sides of me. I get disapproval or rejection or punishment, so I need to block out the feelings that aren't okay. And eating is a way to, well, it's a way to swallow your emotions, to block parts of you that aren't accepted and that you don't know how to deal with. Number two could be that Maybe you felt a little bit weird or different at school, didn't quite fit in with the group of other kids in a way that you wished you did. And when that happens, it can lead to awkwardness and self-consciousness and shyness. And if I'm totally honest, I've added this one because as well as being quite common, and I hear about it a lot, it was really something I felt when I was a young kid at school, sort of like an alien who didn't quite fit in no matter how much I tried, and I didn't know why, and it was really confusing. That sense of feeling left out can escalate into a degree of social anxiety and almost an expectation of being the outsider within a group of people at work or socially or in a sports club or wherever. And eating can be used as a way to calm that social anxiety. I know I've used it like that many times. In fact, even the thought of a school reunion and, you know, I love many of my school friends, but even a thought of getting back together in that sort of context and my mind immediately turns to chocolate cake. It's that ingrained. But the difference for me now is that I notice it and I can understand what's going on. This next one is another one that comes up a lot and it's good girl syndrome. 
being the person who feels responsible for whether or not other people are happy and going out of your way to do what they want or expect from you. As women, we're often taught to be kind and considerate and nurturing, but it can get to the stage where keeping other people happy comes at the expense of you, of what you want and what you need in your own life. And unless you're a saint, which I am most certainly not, sacrificing your well-being for other people only goes so far and eventually leads to being time-deprived and, to be honest, resentful. And some people, right, they're just never satisfied anyway. Whatever you do, it's never good enough. But even if it was enough, if you're sacrificing something you need, then it comes at a price and that need is still there and it comes out in a different way. And using food or binging can be how that need comes out. Either it helps manage the resentment or as a way to cope and keep going, like it's a little something for you, almost like a break or a rest or a treat that no one else is coming forward and offering you. The fourth reason is also really common, and it's one that's been coming up a bit for me recently as something I know I need to pay a bit of attention to. It's as if, because my thoughts are turning to food more than usual, something is being flagged up for me to look at. So this one is the go, go, go of a list of seemingly never-ending tasks that keeps you time-deprived and sort of spinning. I don't know about you, but when I feel like I'm always on the go with the kids and then work and then house stuff and actually wanting to get some exercise or sleep or even reading in and the just the general day-to-day life, right? The people that are in it. And throw in any additional commitments that you have here too. It can seem a bit like being on a hamster wheel where you sort of finally collapse at the end of the day and that feeling of being overstretched and a bit frazzled and probably pretty tired too. Well, food offers a break of sorts, even if it is a standing up, eating at the fridge kind of break. Eating is almost a brief moment of calm or distraction or relief or even an energy boost to keep going and it's as if it creates a pause. Three more examples to come. The next is perfectionism. Wanting to do a brilliant job makes sense. We usually want to do our best right but being perfect that's not really an attainable goal because We are each beautifully complex, perfectly imperfect humans, and perfectionism for sure creates a huge amount of pressure. If that sounds like you, then I really get you. I was the teenager who was still writing essays in pencil so I could rub out my mistakes without wrecking my work, and I've changed careers or study paths quite a few times too often holding on to the dream of starting again with a clean slate so that I could just get it right, right and perfect. I could just be good enough right from the start. But the thing is with perfectionism, as well as the pressure it creates for you, is that it ignores the constant learning and tweaking and improving that's such a natural part of life. After all, 
the fifth draft or iteration of a project is always going to come with greater insights than the first. But without getting going on that imperfect first draft, there's no place to build in the improvements over time and with experience. And as perfect is unattainable anyway, turning to food can be a way to put off the inevitable not good enough, as well as to provide a way to relieve the pressure that you're putting on yourself. The sixth reason, I think, will make a lot of sense if you've ever felt it. When something is a threat or you perceive it as a threat or it just feels creepy or frightening, it can cause that freeze response when it's as if you don't have the capacity to react or respond in any way. It's like a shutdown. The freeze response is actually the oldest survival response in the nervous system. It evolved well before even the fight or flight response. So it'll kick in without conscious thought. Now, that doesn't mean it always makes rational sense. Getting the side eye from someone at a bar or at the school gate, or even hearing the doorbell ring, they have the potential to seem like a threat if you're hyper alert to those signals. And turning to food can be a way of hiding or zoning out or creating or reacting to that shutdown freeze response that's activated by very real and an innate need to be safe. And number seven, the very last one I'm going to mention here, is when you're coming down hard on yourself. I've touched on this in other episodes, but that internal voice can be pretty mean and judgmental and critical. In fact, if you listen to your internal chat and write it down and then imagine saying any of it to someone else, well, I bet you'd be horrified and you'd for sure expect them to want to get away from you as soon as possible. If all that chat is going on in your own head and it barely pauses for breath, well, you probably want to get away from that inner critic too, like make it shut up. And eating can quieten down the inner critic when it gets too much. A binge can give you some relief if you've been coming down really hard on yourself, even if that part of you that's hard on yourself is doing it with the very best of intentions. Like, for example, you have this little voice telling you you're rubbish and eating in this way is stupid and ridiculous and it's got to stop because look what you're doing to yourself and what's your life going to come to if it carries on this way. It's as if it's saying, for goodness sake, pull yourself together. It's not a nice commentary to have on constant repeat, is it? Even if the intention behind that inner voice is to help you to eat in a way that supports you to be your best self so that you can be happier and more fulfilled. And it sounds really reasonable and true. So doing something to quieten down that voice, something like eating, even if the voice is telling you not to, well, who wouldn't want to do that, right? So those are just a few examples of how overeating or binging can actually be trying to meet a need that has nothing at all to do with food. It might be to block emotions that aren't seen as okay, or to help with social anxiety, or the resentment that comes with putting other people's needs before your own. The food might offer a much needed break, or it might relieve the intense pressure of perfectionism. 
It could offer a way to feel safer through shutting down or feeling invisible, even through putting extra weight on your body, because that can also be a way of feeling less noticed in the world. Or it might give you a break from an ever-running self-critique. Or maybe for you, the eating is a way to fulfil a different need. And my guess is, whatever that need is, it will make some kind of sense to you. Sometimes it can be really helpful to try imagining someone else with the coping strategy or the coping mechanism of turning to food. So maybe experiment with thinking around someone else using food, using food to help them through a certain situation or emotion, especially when they don't know what else to do that will help. When it makes sense that someone else might use food for those sorts of reasons, then maybe, just maybe, it might make sense for you too as well. And as soon as you begin to understand it just a little, the feeling of shame or brokenness can begin to shift as well. Because if there's a reason or a need underneath the eating, well, that's something to work with. When you understand what the eating is trying to do for you or to help you with, you can start to wonder. Perhaps just that start of an understanding piques your interest enough to think about that overeating or binging in a slightly different way. Like it's about so much more than just what the food is and how much of it is being eaten. Because if the binging is happening for a reason, then you can start to look at other ways to meet those deeper needs that can't really ever be satisfied with food for long. So to wrap up, I'm going to end this episode with an invitation to open to looking at the patterns in your eating, to ask yourself, when am I most likely to overeat? What might be going on for me at those times? What am I feeling like when that happens? How does eating or binging help me in the moment? Or what does it offer me that I'm feeling desperate for or that I really need? And when you've identified a reason for the food, ask yourself, does it make sense that I might turn to food then? Maybe after having done it so many times over the years, it's become a learned or an automatic coping strategy. When you can start asking those questions, you're opening the door to moving toward creating more effective and supporting coping strategies and things that will help you through those more challenging times, things that are specific to you and to your life and to your needs. And if you'd like more tools to help you ease back from binging and from overeating, then just go to the show notes to download my free guide, Eight Simple Strategies to Break the Binge Eating Cycle. When you download the guide, you'll also get access to my email so you can send me any questions that you have or topics you'd like to be addressed on future episodes. I really do love hearing from you. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Yo-Yo Freedom podcast for more insight, tools and support as you pull back from binging and overeating and step into your most authentic, vibrant life. If you found this episode helpful, it would be wonderful if you'd take a moment to rate the Yo-Yo Freedom podcast on whichever platform you listen on. Thank you so much. Bye-bye for now.